Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Today is a, a bonus episode. This is a, a follow-up to a previous episode that I did called Post-Quarantine Suicides and Unemployment. And maybe that was made, that was uh, posted on April 11th. I'm looking at it right now. And I am doing a follow-up because I received so many messages from people on Instagram. If you're not following me on Instagram, I'm uh, leoflowers2000 on Instagram. And then uh, the Before You Kill Yourself Instagram is at Before You Kill Yourself. So you can message me on either one of those platforms. Um, and we also have a Facebook page called Before You Kill Yourself, but the four is a, a number four. Anyway, uh, I am. I received a lot of messages from people, from you all, uh, about that episode because it was talking about uh, the how suicide rates are expected to spike post quarantine, and, uh, and 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 how it's related to the unemployment level uh, in this country. And I want to do a follow up because. There have been a lot of statistics thrown around about how the quarantine is causing a decrease, and then next day you'll read how it's causing an increase. And I, and I was really trying to figure out, are, are numbers going up? Are they going down? What's happening here? So I think I have clarity on it, and I want to share uh, an article with you that I've read in The Guardian, and I want to share these stats with you because it emphasizes what we've been talking about in almost every episode and uh, in terms of what's important, what are preventative factors uh, to suicidality. And uh, so let's get into it. In The Guardian, uh, and this is an article that was written a few days ago. Uh, it, the title is Jap Jap uh, Japan Suicide's Decline as COVID-19 Lockdown Causes Shift and stress factors. I'm just going to read two quick paragraphs, and I'll link this in the show notes. Uh, the suicide rate in Japan fell by 20% in April compared with the same time last year, the biggest drop in five years. Despite fears the coronavirus pandemic would cause increased stress and many prevention helplines were either not operating or short-staffed. People spending more time at home with their families, fewer people where commuting to work and delays to the start of the school year are seen as factors in the fall, end quote. So I, I want to emphasize that one more time. Because people are spending more time at home with their families and fewer people were commuting to work and uh, delays of the, the school year, uh, it has caused a 20% drop in Japan. So what does this tell us? This tells us the importance of connecting with family. And, and if you don't have family, connecting with friends, connecting with people. One of the things that I, I miss most uh, and that I've regretted the most during this quarantine is all the people I said I would visit and I didn't. All, I, I'm watching my nephews. Uh, yesterday my nephew was two. Today my nephew was 10. And it hurts my heart that I didn't do a better job of establishing a relationship with my nephew. 
uh, my best friend from college has four kids and we were FaceTiming and uh, only one recognized me. And that hurt. That hurt because I recognize it's I I it was I could have spent way more time with my friends and their family and, and spent more time with my family uh, than I did and and I was you know so focused on work uh, I mean rightfully so I got bills to pay but the point is is that people family friends those are our mitigating factors suicidality surrounding ourselves with people not just people but people we feel connected to and we only feel connected with people around us if we're also willing to share ourselves and share our vulnerability and share our fears you know Brene Brown has a book about vulnerability and it's 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 the people that we uh, are the most vulnerable with that we feel the most connected to. And granted, a lot of us, like myself, don't open up because we've been hurt in the past. And, and we, we, we show our stomachs and somebody has put a knife through there. So we walk around with our arms across our stomach and, or across our, our chest. And, but that's not a way to, to move through life. And, uh, and it, it takes time. And I understand there's been pain, there's been hurt by people, by the very people who should be hugging you and, and not hurting you. But we we have to keep showing up and, and taking that chance. Um, and also, it the, the research also lends itself to the idea that, uh, you know, a long commute to work is, is rough. It's rough on us mentally, it's rough on us psychologically. And so if, you, if you're a person who does have a long commute if you can one of the best ways that i found to help deal with the stress of a long commute is uh to work out get up a little early just five minutes earlier and and do a little workout whether it's uh some whether it's just four minutes it's called a tabata exercise t-a-b-a-t-a and you can do like mountain climbers or burpees just something to get the heart rate going before you get into the car, and that will completely help with the stress levels of sitting in a car and reduce your uh, addictive behaviors, whether that's snacking, eating, drinking, whatever it is, exercise releases endorphins, which helps us to feel good so that we don't overeat, okay? So because when we do overeat, then that causes stress in the body, and then we feel stress, and then it becomes a domino effect of stress-related responses, right? Um, and this, this research also shows this 20% drop is also indicative of, of the pressures, you know, recognizing that a lot of us are putting pressure on ourselves. And this is the, this is the meat of it I really want to get to. Um, because I, I myself, I just, <laughs> I just polished off a pint of ice cream. And uh, all right, half, well, yeah, about a pint. I mean, it was two half pints. All right, we don't have to get into details here. But I, I realized that um, I felt shame about my feeling of inadequacy, which was tied into feeling that uh, I'm not as productive as I quote unquote should be, right? And 
I'm surrounded, at least it feels like I'm surrounded with so many people who are getting so much done and so productive and, and they're A players and they're, they're, they're raising kids and writing books and, 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 and training for CrossFit and, uh, you know, cr- creating apps. Like I, I feel like everyone in my life is do, able to do a million things with no problem and I'm, I'm struggling through the day. And, and I know logically my prefrontal cortex knows that that is far from the truth and, and that we all have our struggles. But it feels like I'm the only one who is trying to swim uh, upstream uh, against the current, right? Uh, but that's just how I feel. And so I was like, all right, let me, let me break that down. Let me look at that and see what's going on. And I want to give you three practical steps. And this is coming from uh, a blog called Rescue Time. And in his blog, it talks about, um, one, we want to disconnect our self-worth from productivity, right? Because uh, who we are is not what we do, right? We can't judge ourselves because uh, there's always more that we could do. Like there's, there's, not, a, there's, not, a, uh, there's not a point where the cup runneth over. It's just we, we have to set that up for ourselves. So we cannot connect our self-worth to what we do because there's a lot of people who do, who are celebrities or doctors and lawyers, and they're not good people, which I covered in the, in the previous podcast. Uh, second step uh, to, uh, dis- to uh, reducing your shame and, and separating it from your productivity is to set effective yet realistic goals for yourself. And this is where I struggle. I, I, I think, you know, I, I always think my future self is better than my present self. And, and it's, it's not the case. Whatever I can do right now is probably what I'll be able to do tomorrow and hopefully 1% better. So we have to get better at setting realistic goals for ourselves instead of thinking, oh, I can, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, in my head, I could read Moby Dick, which is like a five or 600 page book. And, and, you know, three days, but it, it's not realistic. I have so many things on my plate, but I'm like, oh, why I should be able to do it. No, I can't. Uh, step three is appreciate the progress more than the achievement. And this is the part I really want to emphasize to you is to fall in love with the progress. It's not, has nothing to do with the achievement and, and not that achieving something doesn't feel good. You know, Tom Brady, uh, you know, loves winning and he loves holding up that trophy and it's great that he's won all these Super Bowls, but you can also tell that he loves the process. When I watch videos of him, he loves watching uh, game film. He loves to study the game. He loves to study him, himself. He, he loves to work with the other players and, and work on getting 1% better. You can tell he has a love of the process and not just a love of winning. So... Find a way. And if you don't love the process, you have, to, you have to change the process. You have to change your strategy or how you're showing up to it. But that is so much more important than the achievement or else the, it's a pyrrhic victory, meaning it just uh, you won, but you, you've lost so much uh, on your way there. And you can see an example of the pyrrhic victory is a show called Billions, where this guy's a billionaire and he's making all his money and he's amassing all his wealth, uh, but he's lost his wife, his two kids, uh, and, and friends. Like he's, he's, he's losing everything, and the guy who's trying to take him down is lose. They're both 
losing all the things uh, to 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 win to beat each other, and it's uh, it's it's not a good look. So uh, I hope now where because and I also want to emphasize this productivity shame because uh, we are where we do see the spike in numbers is uh, older males who uh, have have lost their jobs. And so that's where the, the numbers are going up, where they've lost their jobs and a, their identity is tied to their work. Uh, but we see a decrease are it mo- primarily in students and, and in the younger generation who are no longer feeling the pressure of school and making straight A's. Uh, and anybody who uh, may not have a job but uh, you know they are making enough money from the unemployment and maybe some business loans and things like that. So if you've lost your job and, and there are so many services out there for you, there's a, uh, and I understand sometimes it, it takes a while to get to you, but apply for all the services. There's WIC, there's uh, subsidized housing. If you have to take three steps back so that you can move five steps forward, so be it. You see it in football all the time where a team gets penalized uh, and, and they still win the game. They, they had 13, their teams that have like 13 penalties and lost all these yardage. And, and typically uh, a team would lose, but, but they found, but they kept at it and they kept going and they had three fumbles and a turnover and, and a pick and, you know, all these uh, errors and mistakes. But, but still they found a way to win. And so you too can find a way to win and in the meantime, find a way to fall in love with the process. And I also want you to add to your, uh, your vocabulary to say good enough. I, I, I'm so busy and a lot of us are so busy always looking for perfection. And, and wanting things to be absolutely perfecto. And, and there is no perfection, right? So to say good enough, sometimes you have to look at your day and say, I've done good enough. If we take time, and a way to feel like we've done good enough is to take a few moments to, to rack up our wins for the day. You know, did we shower? Did we Did we exercise? Did we talk to a friend? Uh, did we walk outside? Did we uh, eat breakfast? Um, you know, whatever. Did you journal? Did you meditate? Did you get something done? Did you get, if you got anything done today to help yourself move closer towards your goal, uh, uh, whatever that is, then you won. You won. And that's good enough. Mark Zuckerberg, who's a billionaire, I bring him up all the time, is all is always championing, championing, cha- champion. I have no idea how to say that. Uh, good enough. Uh, move, he says. Move fast and break things, right? And so, if that guy has billions of dollars, and I know he's not always the best example of somebody to model yourself after, uh, then and money is not an indicator of of uh, habits. To all right, we could go down a whole rabbit hole. But my point is is that tell yourself good enough and, and, and stop pursuing great or, or excellence. Uh, that all, the, all those things happen as, as a byproduct 
of just inching 1% closer a day. And, and for those days that we, we, we have setbacks, that we embrace those also, right? It's, it's idealistic to be able to move 1% a day, but life can get in the way of that. We understand that. And so to say, okay, this is a deleted day. Uh, I, that, that's the other day. Some days are, are good enough days. Some days are great days. And then we have deleted days where we go, I got nothing done today. I got nothing done. Uh, we just don't want to rack up. We don't want the momentum to shift in the direction of deleted days, right? So be happy. Tuck yourself in tonight with good enough. And let's get to tomorrow together.